You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Okay, the reading is from James chapter 3, starting at verse 13, going through to chapter 4, verse 12. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires and battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people... Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says, without reason, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Uh. So June 1st, 1967, has long been seen as a seminal moment in world music. It was the release of the Beatles' eighth album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, regarded by many as revolutionising pop music and culture. The album defined the late 1960s, spending an incredible 27 weeks at the top of the album chart. I wonder what has been a seminal moment in your life. A seminal moment can be something that was hugely influential or important. 
So it could be something like starting school or starting a new job. It could be meeting a certain person who happens to go on to be a really good friend. It could be the first time you heard Sergeant Peppers or the first time you saw the original Star Wars movie. It could be something sad like the loss of someone you love or the end of a relationship. A seminal moment is one where you know that life is going to be very different after that moment. One of the seminal moments in my life was sitting in a Czech hospital corridor looking at my newborn son. Cole had just been born, he'd been wiped down, he'd been tightly wrapped in cloth, he'd been put in a trolley, and then me and him were told to get out and go in the corridor while Kathy took a breath. I remember wheeling him out into the corridor, sitting on this uncomfortable hard plastic chair, looking at him, thinking, my life is going to be different from this point onwards. I did tell my wife I was going to tell that story, and she said, that's typical of men. Women would have knew that nine months before. <laughs> now, I wonder if the date October the 19th, 1969, means anything to you. It was a seminal moment for ECC, or Heaton Moor Evangelical Church, as it was called back then. This was the first time a church service was hold, held. A group of 17 believers gathered to worship the Lord over the shop in Green Lane. In the end, about 30 people turned up for that evening. From that moment on, God has used his powerful word and spirit through his faithful people to bring many people to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, some seminal moments are really obvious, like a wedding day, a birth of child, the death of someone. But some seminal moments are only seen over the course of time. That friend who you adore may have started off as being really annoying. That first church meeting where you came not knowing what would happen is now 50 years plus and still growing. Some seminal moments need time to reflect on. I wonder how we will reflect on Wednesday's members meeting. There were lots of potential plans for us to pray about. There was news of change of personnel too. Will we look back on Wednesday's members meeting as a seminal moment in the life of ECC? Well, the answer to that question depends on how we react to what we heard. It's no exaggeration to say that Satan is watching ECC to see whether we will commit ourselves to prayer and humility or whether conflict and disorder will be our downfall. In God's kindness, we've been studying the book of James. Last week, Dan Hulley spoke to us about the power of our tongues. Something so small can have such a great impact and cause a forest fire. With our tongues, we can praise God and curse humans in the same breath. The way we speak to one another reveals what is going on in our control center, the heart. Now, the heart is something that James has talked about many times. In James chapter 1, he said, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You see, the heart is crucial. The heart is the control center of our lives. From out of our heart comes our thoughts, actions, and words. 
If our heart is controlled by God's spirit and God's wisdom, then we will think, we will speak, we will act in ways that bring glory to God. If our hearts, however, are controlled by our own desires and worldly values, then our thoughts, words and actions will need to be repented of, or we will face conflict with one another and conflict with God. In our passage this morning, we heard about the control centre. We heard three things. We heard about two types of wisdom. We heard about two ways of living. And we heard about two outcomes to consider. Let us pray and then we'll get stuck in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your sovereignty, you have given us this passage at this time. Father, none of us believe this is a fluke or chance. And Father, I pray that you would grant us the humility to listen to what you have to say so that we can be a people who live with you at the center of our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So firstly, let's look at two types of wisdom. I'm going to just read chapters 3. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 13 to 18 again. Uh, So if you've got a Bible, please do take a look at it. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness." So did you see the two types of wisdom in those verses? There's earthly wisdom in verse 15, and there's heavenly wisdom in verse 17. Let's just have a look at the differences between the two. It tells us there that earthly wisdom is unspiritual and demonic. Earthly wisdom loves to turn us in on ourselves. It likes us to look inside of ourselves and project whatever we find there. Earthly wisdom loves to promote selfish desires. It says things like, you do you, be true to yourself. As we turn away from ourselves, or as we turn into ourselves for answers, we turn away from the God who made us. This is the work of Satan, and it's demonic. You see, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan's main goal is to create division between God and humans, and to destroy everything that God says is good. Satan subtly in the garden, he questions God's word, and in doing so, he questions God's goodness. And in doing that, we've now seen a massive separation between humans and God. Satan also puts seeds of conflict between husband and wife, We've also seen the pain of childbirth and the frustrations of work. And finally, we see death take its stage call. Earthly wisdom, excuse me, looks within. It questions God's word and God's goodness. 
and it causes destruction and death? Why on earth would anyone want this type of wisdom controlling their heart? But alternatively, see, we see heavenly wisdom. This is the wisdom that comes from God. In James chapter 1 verse 5, we're told that if we ask God for this wisdom, he will give it to us generously. Because this wisdom comes from heaven, it is pure and without fault. It is from God, so it's eternal and true. It's the wisdom that gives us hope and joy. It's the wisdom that enables us to live God's way in God's world. It's the wisdom that's spiritual and resists the devil. It's the wisdom that brings peace with one another and intimacy with God. It's the wisdom that helps us to cope when we're faced with life's struggles and stresses. It's the wisdom that makes us a better husband and father, a better friend and co-worker, a better neighbor and citizen, a better church member. It's the wisdom from heaven is the way of the good life. This wisdom is joyfully following God's word in the assurance that God is good and knows best. So church, which wisdom is in your control center this morning? Are you being driven by earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom? Have you turned in on your desires or are you looking out to God and his word? At the core of who you are, do you trust that God is good or do you believe that you have to keep God at arm's length? See, there's two types of wisdom. Which wisdom will ECC be known by? But that's not all the passage says, because the passage also says about two ways of living. Now, the name Giles Bud Pellerin probably won't mean anything to anyone here. I had to look him up. But Bud, as his friends call him, is what's known as a superfan. Now, Bud loved, this is a, a, an obscure reference here, so just bear with me. Bud loved the University of Southern California's American football team. Get your heads around that, okay? Now, in America, university or college sports are massive. You can get over 100,000 people attending these games. Now, Bud loved the University of Southern California. He went to that university himself, but it was the football team, the American football team, he became obsessed with. Now, listen, this is where I'm going with it. From 1925 to his death in 1998, Bud went to, listen to this, 797 consecutive American football games to watch his beloved University of Southern California. He visited roughly 75 stadiums across 50 cities. He would watch his team home and away. And what's more remarkable is Bud hated flying. So when his team played away, and it could be East, California's East Coast, no, West Coast, and it could be, uh, to do that, never eat shredded wheat, just to work it out, could be playing teams on the East Coast. He, over, he either drove, got the bus, or caught the train to his opponent's stadium. And it was fitting that whilst watching his team, he would die in the stadium where he watched his first match. 
It's amazing, isn't it? No wonder he's a super fan. You see, Bud's heart was filled with a love for the University of Southern California. And as a result, Bud's time, his money, and actions were shaped by the outflowing of his heart. Now, our hearts are either going to be controlled by God, or they're going to be controlled by ourselves. Heavenly wisdom, as we said, looks out to God and to his word. Earthly wisdom turns away from God, so we look at our own desires or the values of this world. Whatever is in our heart will overflow and be seen in the way we live. Now this passage tells us that a heart that's controlled by heavenly wisdom will be shaped by humble submission. A heart that is controlled by earthly wisdom will be shaped by selfish ambition. Now let me read chapter 4 so you can see this being played out. So it's either going to be shaped by humble submission or shaped by selfish ambition. Have a look at the Bible, chapter 4. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So again, the battle comes within. You desire, but don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Earthly wisdom is driven by selfish ambition. And selfish ambition is anti-Christian. Imagine if Jesus' life was shaped by selfish ambition. Have you ever thought about that? Well, first thing is, he wouldn't come to earth. He would have stayed in heaven. If Jesus' life was about selfish ambition, no way is he going to leave heaven to be born in a barn, to be an immigrant child in Egypt, to come back to Galilee and have a job swinging a hammer, to have a group of followers who abandon him and betray him, to be rejected by his own countrymen and to die a horrendous death on a cross. If Jesus was shaped by selfish ambition, he would have stayed in heaven where he's worshipped by angels and he has this beautiful eternal communion with his Father by the power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus would have done. You see, if selfish ambition was at the heart of the Christian message, then Jesus would never come. And in thinking about it, Jesus would never need to come. 
Let's just imagine for a minute that the Christian message was that people were made in the image of a selfish God. And he selfishly requires everyone to be selfish and only do things that they want, even if it results in damage to yourself or to other people. If this was the message, then we'd all be free to be as selfish as we wanted to. In fact, we should teach this message to our children and call it self-esteem. We should celebrate it in culture and call it self-love. We should be champions for pride and self-fulfillment. Oh, wait. Do you see how confusing this all is? Earthly wisdom really is demonic and unspiritual. You see, church, selfish ambition and bitter envy lead to conflict. James starts chapter 4 with another question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? You see, these desires, they come from within. The overflow of the heart leads to all sorts of problems. If our hearts are controlled by earthly wisdom, which is unspiritual and demonic, then selfish ambition will overflow into everything we do. Our lives will not be soaked in prayer, verse 2. We will fight and quarrel with each other, verse 2. We'll no longer say, your kingdom come, your will be done, in verse 3. Instead, we'll be praying like Pharisees, my kingdom come, my will be done. And we'll have no problems creating disorder. And we'll use every evil practice we can so our selfish ambitions can be achieved. Church, do you remember when people had a fight in school? Probably not because you went to good schools. But anyway, in my school, everyone would stand round and they'd go, fight, 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 wouldn't he? And, they'd get, and people would get more agitated. You see, Satan is waiting to see what happens next. Will we be led by selfish ambition and conflict? If so, Satan is going to be stood around shouting, fight, 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 fight. Or are we going to shut the devil up and fight against him instead? How do we fight against the devil and this earthly wisdom? Well, it's what our text calls humble submission. This is the heart of the Christian message. God has always existed in a perfect triunion or trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. For all eternity, the Father has loved the Son by the power of the Spirit. Humans are made in the image of this God. We are created to love God and we are created to love one another. Since Genesis 3 and the Garden of Eden, we've rejected this relationship with God. Instead, we want to live for ourselves. And this means that we now live under the judgment of God, reaping the consequences of the disorder, destruction and death that comes from earthly wisdom. Thankfully, though, Jesus' heart was all about humble submission the Father gladly sent the Son. And the Son joyfully and humbly submitted to his Father's plan. Jesus would tell his disciples, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. By humbly submitting to his Father, Jesus would take the punishment that we deserve for rejecting heavenly wisdom. 
Jesus' death and resurrection assures us that sin, death and Satan have been defeated once and for all. And anyone who humbly submits to Jesus, acknowledging their rejection of God and their need for the forgiveness that Jesus offers, friends, Jesus today wants to give you a new heart. A heart that is no longer ruled by earthly wisdom, but delights in the heavenly wisdom that God generously gives us. Friends, is there anyone this morning who wants to acknowledge their rejection of God? Is there anyone here who wants to confess they've been consumed by earthly wisdom? Is there anyone here who wants to turn to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness? If that is you, then please do speak to me or one of the other elders a bit later. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Chris, James is writing to the church. James is writing to Christians. Do Christians struggle with earthly wisdom? Unfortunately, the answer is a resounding yes. You see, even though Christians are no longer ruled by earthly wisdom, it's still present and influential in our lives. Christians have to daily fight against the earthly wisdom and keep humbly submitting to God. How is this possible? Well, verse 8 and 9 tell us we have to take sin seriously and repent to God. But before we get that, let me just backtrack slightly because let's remind ourselves what does a person, what is the outflowing of a person whose control center is, is heavenly wisdom? We'll look at chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, A person who's overflowing with heavenly wisdom is peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. If that description is not us, then we have to take sin seriously and repent. When James says in verse 7, submit to God, or in verse 8, come near to God, it's in, re- it's in reference to repenting from earthly wisdom. If we're speaking rudely to people, if we're wanting conflict and disorder... If we want to slander people and be driven by selfish ambition, James says, stop. These are the devil's ways and they need to be repented of. You see, to resist the devil is to repeat, is to repent from earthly wisdom. And look at how verse 8 tells us that repentance should look like. It should include our hands. Wash your hands. It should include our hearts, purify our hearts. It should include our minds, don't be double-minded. And as we repent, or sorry, Sam Albee puts it like this, he says, as real faith in chapter 2 acts, so real repentance changes. As real faith acts, so real repentance changes. And we see it, don't we, in verse 9, how, how we should be about sin. There should be a seriousness about sin. We should not laugh at sin. We should grieve it. We should not make light of it, but we should mourn it. We should not wave sin off. Or we should weep over sin. ECC, are we going to be driven by earthly wisdom and fall into conflict, disorder and selfish ambition? Or are we going to humbly submit to God? 
Are we going to fight against each other? Or are we going to fight against the devil? We should weep when we see signs of earthly wisdom in our conduct. We should repent. And we should humbly submit to God's good word and good rule in our lives. ECC, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there's two ways, two types of wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom, there's earthly wisdom. There's two ways to live, humble submission or selfish ambition. What will ECC live by? And then finally, and very briefly, there's two outcomes to consider. Batman had the Joker. Sherlock Holmes had Professor Moriarty. And James Bond had Ernst Blofeld. I wonder if you've ever had an enemy. It's never a nice feeling to think that you've got someone against you. But did you pick up from verse 4 in our passage one of the consequences of having a heart controlled by earthly wisdom? Have a look at verse 4. It tells us that you become an enemy of God. How shocking is that language? You become an enemy of God. What on earth is going on? Well, one of the ways the Bible talks about our rejection of God is by talking about marriage and adultery. Rejecting God is like a husband who turns his back on his wife to sleep with someone else. If that, marriage, if that happens in a marriage, that marriage is going to be extremely difficult to maintain, but not impossible. It will require the husband repenting of his sin and his wife showing him lots of forgiveness and grace. That marriage over time could be restored and the love and intimacy once enjoyed can be experienced again. But similarly, when we reject God and exchange his wisdom for earthly wisdom, it's like we're sleeping with the world's values. Our relationship with God is going to lack intimacy and warmth because of our sin. And if we continue to reject God for earthly wisdom, then it will show that our heart was never truly changed. And if we continue to reject God, then God will continue to be our enemy. And this is not the outcome any of us want. But there is another outcome, and it's the grace of God. Look at verses 6 and 10. Beautiful verses. These verses give us enormous hope and assurance that when we turn back to God, he will not reject us. Verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. You see, God loves to give grace. What an image. No matter how many times we run off, no matter how many times we say or do things we regret, no matter how many times we fight or quarrel, God wants to give us more grace. God's love for you and me is so strong and it's so relentless that he longs for us. That's what verse 5 is talking about. He longs for us to be back with him. And he loves it when we come back to him. Friends, God will never turn away from you. God gives us grace when we come back to him. So I, can I encourage you, if you are led by earthly wisdom, repent. Repent, repent, because God wants to give you grace when you come back to him. And finally, verse 10 tells us, 
Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. A lot of us love to know details. A lot of us love to have all our questions answered. A lot of us like to see how everything fits together. And if we don't, we sometimes get impatient, frustrated, and we can get angry. Sometimes, however, we have to be humble and admit we don't know. Sometimes we have to come to God and say, God, I don't know how everything fits together. I don't know how all the details are going to work out. I don't have all my questions answered. But what I do know, God, is you know the plans for the future. And that's a great place to get to. Resting in God's plans and timings are the mark of someone whose heart is filled with heavenly wisdom. A heart overflowing with heavenly wisdom will enjoy peace with God, be lifted up, and will have a, and will reap a harvest of righteousness. The grace of God comes to those who humble themselves. ECC, we've had quite a week. Satan is watching on. Satan wants us to fight each other. Satan wants us to seek earthly wisdom and be driven by selfish ambition. Satan wants us to be enemies with God. But we say no. We will resist the devil. We will seek heavenly wisdom. We will not fight against each other, but together we will fight against the devil. We will resist the devil's schemes. We will be driven by the humble submission that our Lord and Saviour Jesus was driven by. We will take our sin seriously and repent. And we will fall on the grace that God loves to pour out to his people. ECC, we will resist the devil. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that anything that was not from you, you would take away. And those things that are from you, that you would dig deep into our hearts and souls. That we would be a people who resist the devil. Who at our control center have heavenly wisdom and are shaped by humble submission. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.